Wow. There was about 30 altogether that was here each night, and we just appreciate those that came, those that, uh, certainly those that were available to work with UBS. Once again, would you get, give all of these folks a great hand? Would you do that? Thank you for coming this morning. We appreciate you being here. Uh, we want to be able to break the bread of life and uh, allow the Lord to minister. Bow our heads and pray. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for your bountiful, bountiful blessings. Already this morning, we've been blessed by the wonderful music and singing and worship and then the presentation, dear God, of these boys and girls. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is with us today. May you manifest your power in this place this morning. Amen. I remember as a seven and eight-year-old boy out from Clinton, North Carolina at Mount Vernon Missionary Baptist Church being part of the VBS. And so they don't forget what they uh, do here today and this week. So thank you again. I, over the years, have preached over 10,000 sermons. I, I think that's a very conservative number that I've preached. Some good and some bad. Kind of reminds me of the evangelist that he held church and revival and church after church after church. And he noticed that there was a man there every time he preached, no matter what church he went to. He finally got up enough nerve to speak to the gentleman. He said, sir, I, I don't know you, but I know you're here every time I preach. He really must enjoy my sermons. He said, well, I'll tell you what. My dad told me years ago that every preacher preaches at least one good sermon in his lifetime. And he says, I'm going to keep coming until I hear that good sermon. <laughs> so when I step out of the pulpit sometimes, that's sort of the way I feel. <laughs> I feel like I put my hat on and walk under the door. But God always takes maybe even our weakest times and blesses those. I uh, talked about how many sermons I've preached because I've always tried to preach the right theology, what I think it is. And I've always tried to preach what the Word of God teaches and says. This sermon this morning, I think I have struggled with it more than most. Not because necessarily the theology of it, but the the technology of it because I'm talking about and we'll be hearing about a man by the name of Obed-Edom. Now that name is, I love to say it, Obed-Edom. That name is mentioned 18 times in the scripture and there's different opinions on if there are there is one Obed-Edom or two or three 
or his finest date sets, which is someone said next to the Apostle Paul, he says there were four Obed-Edoms. And what I try to do is to certainly spend time, I have spent hours looking at this man and reading the scripture, and uh, I want to be able to preach the truth to you. And I think I will. I think I've, I've figured it out. I, I, I don't want lightning to strike me, but I don't think there were four Obed-Edoms. Obed uh, I think there were at least two, if not three of them. So let's look at the scripture this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 12. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bailey, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. If you know anything about the ark, uh, the ark was about 52 inches long. It was about 31 inches high. And it was about uh, 31 inches wide. But it was, it was uh, covered with gold on the outside. And it also had gold lined on the inside. And so on top of the ark lid was two cherubims, angels. And so here we find that uh, he dwelt, the spirit, the presence of God between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Obinadab or Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of o, uh, Abinadab, which was uh, on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Ohio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord. And all kinds of instruments, or firwood and harps, on stringed instruments, tambourines, on sistrums, on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah. To this day, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can, I, how can the ark of the Lord come to me, to Jerusalem? That's where he was going to bring it. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house 
of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The Gittite, that's important. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household, verse 12. Now it was told King David, saying, The ark has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all the, that belongs to him. Because of the ark, so because of the ark, so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom to the city of David with gladness, or the American Standard Version says there, with joy. With joy. I want to read one more verse that goes along with this. It's found in First Chronicles chapter thirteen, verse fourteen. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in the house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Very interesting scripture. Very interesting story of this ark. Of course, that represented the very presence of God. Let me give you a little bit of background on what had happened to the ark. There was a battle that had gone on between the Philistines and the Israelites. Hophni and Phinehas. Now, Hophni and Phinehas were the two sons of the high priest, Eli. Very wicked boys. And they thought to themselves, okay, we're going to fight the Philistines because they had done this before. Let's take the Ark of the Covenant, take it out to the battle, and God will give us victory. Well, that's what they did. They took the Ark of the Lord and they carried it out to the battle. And when it came into the camp of the Israelites, they started shouting, and there was so much shouting, and it was so loud, it ran, that noise ran across the hills, and the Philistines heard that shout, and they were so afraid. And someone said, what's going on? What's going on? Why it's such a shout? And the word came back to them, well, they've taken the ark and brought it out to the battle. Well, that did not stop the Philistines. They went and they attacked the army of Israel and they killed 30,000 Israelis in this battle. Not only did they kill 30,000 Israelites, but they captured the ark. That's a wow. They captured a runner left and went back to town where the priest, Eli, was sitting. And he was just waiting to hear how the battle went. So he runs up to Eli and he said, how did it go, Eli did? And the runner said, not good. 30,000 men have been slain. Not only 30,000 men have been slain, but your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, have lost their lives. And then he said this, and they've taken the Ark of the Covenant. Well, Eli was 90-some years old. 
and he'd eaten too much fried chicken, and he was a heavy, heavy man. He fell backwards when they, listen, not when, not when they told him that 30 men had died, not when they told him that his two sons were dead, but when, they, when this man told him that the Ark of the Covenant was taken, he fell back. That's what caused him to fall back, broke his neck, and he died. So all this happened. This is all going on in about one chapter. His daughter-in-law, his daughter-in-law was pregnant. And when she'd heard that her father-in-law and that her husband, Phinehas, was killed, she gave a premature birth. And she died, but before she died, she named the child, and some of you Bible scholars, students can tell me, Ichabod, which meant the glory of the Lord has departed. The glory of the Lord. She died the ark was stolen. Hophni and Phinehas died. And now here's the priest. He's dead. Well, all this happened. And the ark stayed with the Philistines until they got sick. God punished them. And they had tumors. And they were sick. And many of them died. You don't abuse and misrepresent the spirit, and the power of God. Let me read something. Hophni and Phinehas, the wicked sons of Eli, believed that taking the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle would protect them from the Philistines. But listen at this sentence. God will never be used as a superstitious good luck charm to overcompensate for the evil lives. What a statement. If I go to church, if I do this, if I do the other, let me tell you, you better have the Spirit of God. You better be in the right relationship with God. Just because they had the ark did not mean that God was going to protect them because their lives did not support what they said. Amen. Now, I hope you have an outline of the, uh, of, and I'm aware of the, ten, of the time. That don't mean a whole lot, but I am aware of it. But I do hope you have, a, have a, an, an outline, and let's look at, this is very important. First of all, bringing the ark to Jerusalem. The ark was a centerpiece of worship of God representing the very presence of God. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand. And Brother Larry, make sure you get one. Listen, how many of you know it is important that the presence of God be with us? We can have good music and all of these things. In fact, well, let me, let me go a little bit further. Uh, David sought to restore the worship of Yahweh and bring the ark back to Jerusalem. It had been there for 20 years in this house. You don't hear anything about it. No good, no bad. But we find as they were bringing the ark back that they put the ark on a new, what? Cart. Got some good Bible students with us today. Was that the will of God? No. And someone could say, well, yeah, but it was a cart. It was, it was carried on a 
not only it was a cart, it was a new cart. Let me tell you something. You can say, well, we've got all of the fancy churches and all the fancy pews and all the fancy services and all the fancy lights and all. I don't care if your cart's, if your cart's new. God don't care if you got a new cart if you're not being obedient to God. If you're not doing it the way God say do it. If disobedience, God's not going to bless disobedience. And the way that they were supposed to carry the ark was when the ark was built, this was supposed to have been done no matter. Then there were four rings on each corner of the ark. There were golden rings on that ark. And then there were, they were to put, the, to put the golden sticks or staffs through those rings long enough for a man to get on one end, a man to get on the other end, um, and there had to be Levites. One day, there was four men that were supposed to carry the ark, put it on their shoulder. David knew this. But because the Philistines did it, he thought maybe he could do it. He might have forgot it. I don't know. But that's the reason Uzzah died. Because of the disobedience of carrying the ark the way it should not have been cared. Amen. No matter how, no matter what you, you, we need to be obedient to God. Uzzah died because of disobedience to God in the method of transporting the ark. Now listen, when Uzzah was killed, David said, what am I going to do? Well, it was right there at this house of Obed-Edom. So David said, let's, let's leave the ark with Obed-Edom. Now, let me go down to Roman numeral number two because it'll help you to understand it. Look at it. Study it with me. You're going to learn something today, I hope. The ark was left at Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom is a Gittite. Now, what's a Gittite? It's someone that is from Gath. And if you study the word of God, Gath is a part of the Philistine land. It's part of being a Philistine. But... Someone said it couldn't have been. Obed-Edom had to be a Levite. Well, look at, look at what I have here. On the other hand, look at number two. It could mean Gath-Rimmon. Gath-Rimmon, one of the four Levitical cities in Dan. Now, I'm going to give you students a lesson, I mean, a, a, a study for this week. Will you, will, you, will you sort of mentally make a note of it? I want you to study... This man, Obed-Edom, and next Sunday, or call me this week and tell me who you think it was. Tell me how many Obed-Edoms you think is in the Bible. I think it's important. Because, listen, is David going to leave the Ark of the Covenant with a Philistine? Is David going to leave the Ark of the Covenant to someone that is not a Levite? It's something to think about. You say, well, could he have been from Gath? Well, you remember when David was running from Saul? Here you go, students. Stay with me. You remember when David was running from Saul? 
And he went over to the land of the Philistines. You remember that? That's when he acted like he was mad. Do you remember that story? It's a great story. You know how many, how many people came back with him when he went back to Israel from uh, the uh, Philistines? You know how many? 600. So 600 men came back with him. Now, I don't know, but that Obed-Edom was not one of those men that was in Palestine that came back with David and rather than serving false gods, became a believer and started serving Yahweh. Boy, that'd be exciting. You say, I don't know if God would do that or not. Well, you remember when Peter went over to Cornelius' house? Stay with me, students, in the New Testament. Was he a Jew or a Gentile? He was a Gentile. And if God can graft a Gentile in, I'm sure, oh, I'm sure glad he did because you and I are Gentiles. Aren't you glad he grafted us in? Aren't you glad he included us in the plan of salvation? Oh, what a story. What a story. But if he was not from Palestine, he was from Gath-Rimmon. And that meant he was a Levite. First Chronicles 15 and 16, notice with me, Obed-Edom is recognized as a faithful and honor Levitical priest rather than a foreigner. But if a Palestine, Obed-Edom illustrates what has happened to us Gentiles through Jesus Christ. And I just told you about Cornelius that, that, that Peter went to. I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful when I think about that God Almighty had mercy on us. And we're not of the chosen generation, but we are now because of the death and resurrection and the life and the redemption of Jesus Christ. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How long did the Ark of the Covenant stay in Obed-Edom's house? Three months. Can you imagine? Listen to me. Stay awake. Punch your neighbor. Hey, can you imagine being in the presence of God for 90 days? Now, I don't know. First of all, I don't think David would have allowed this Ark to go in an Obed-Edom's house unless he was a Levite. I, I just don't believe he would. 90 days in the presence of God. We bought a chair the other day. Nice chair. One that you push a button and just lay right back. Well, the thing about buying new furniture is you got to know where to put it. And I found out you just don't buy one piece of furniture. Because when you buy a chair, you got to have something to match it. I mean, it just creates all kind of stuff when you buy a piece of furniture. Well, can you imagine Mrs. Obed-Edom when Obed-Edom says, Hey, guess what we've got coming in the house? You've got to be kidding. I'm not ready for any more furniture. Our house is full already. 
I think he had about nine boys and nine daughter-in-laws. Wow. And someone says those daughter-in-laws gave birth to a baby. Three, those daughter-in-laws, and there were three babies born while that ark was in that house. God blessed that man. I'm telling you, he blessed him. But she said, hey, I don't know if you can bring that in here or not. That piece of furniture, the ark of God, which represented the presence of God. And the presence of God represented the power of God. That ark was in that house for three months. No wonder God blessed him. David was in the castle in Jerusalem. I want to tell you something, Dave. What is it? You know Obed-Edom? Yes. That man is being blessed. What about it? Well, he's been blessed ever since he had the Ark of the Covenant. You want to be blessed? Enjoy the presence of Almighty God. Invite the presence of Jesus Christ. Make room, not for daddy, make room for the very presence of God. And that's what he did. And when they told David, they said, David said, he's being blessed. He said, let's go get it. If you see someone being blessed, and they're blessed because they're paying their tithe, they're blessed because they're serving God, don't you want to be like that? Okay, let's you and I practice. Practice serving God. Practice the presence of God. And that's what happened. David goes back. Great respect. The ark represented the most Holy presence of God. It wasn't to be trifled with and had to be treated with utmost respect and reverence. But Obed-Edom, you know, I, I can just imagine the knock on his door and David said, Obed-Edom, I got a piece of furniture out here I want you to take. Now, we had a man by the name of Uzzah he just died by touching it, but would you take it in your home? What? They took that ark in their home and paid so much respect. I, I, I got a feeling that they read Deuteronomy. I got a feeling that they read the word of God. I have a feeling that they prayed around that ark. I got a feeling that they represented, that they honored the presence of the Lord because God began to bless. Now, something that's important. Notice number two, under number three, as Obed, Obed Edom altered, altered lifestyles, the presence of God altered them. You want God to bless you? Do something different. Amen. Stay at church a little bit longer. Go to church another day or two. Help out with VBS. Pray an extra hour. Visit. Bless somebody. Spread a little love around. I love that song. I may sing it next Sunday. Spread a little love around. I had to go get to be a examine and give blood uh, this week at Duke Hospital. As most of you know, I had cancer some years ago and I must be checked ever so often. And so 
there's just something about going in that part of Duke where it's the cancer center. and There's just something about going in and seeing people with sad faces. One man sat next to me with his head down, so sick. The treatments make you very, very sick. And so many sad faces. But I walked in that hospital and I said, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to spread a little love around. And everywhere I went, when I checked in, that gentleman checked me and said, should you be, you had a fever? You had, I said, no, no, no. And I was so kind to him. And then the next lady I went to, I just smiled real big and so kind. Listen, we need to spread some love around. We need to spread some cheer around. We need the spirit of God to touch people's lives. And the lady that took my blood, I was not stir anyway, and though, even though she stuck me with a needle. You know, I tell you what, you can spread a little. She was from Africa. And I was telling us, telling her about having a gentleman years ago. Danny, I don't know where you were uh, with us then or not. A man by the name of Josiah Matumba. Forty years ago from Africa. You know where he was from? Zimbabwe. I love that name. Josiah Matumba. Great man of God. Preached the word of God. And so I was telling her about that. Talking about Jesus Christ. And just lifting up the name of the Lord. Listen, everywhere. Hey, you want the presence of God? Spread a little love around. Smile more. I believe God's people ought to smile a lot. You say, Brother Don, you don't know what I've been through. I'll tell you what. You can smile. You can be happy. You can praise God. You can honor the Lord. You can have the presence of the Lord with you. Amen? Amen. Things that used to be important becomes unimportant. In other words, no doubt that piece of furniture, being in that home, caused them to have to readjust their priorities. Well, brother, I just can't do the thus and so. I've got to do, you know, we've got, we've got our schedule. We've got to do this and that and the other. When you want the presence of God and you want the anointing of God and you want the manifestation of the presence of God, we need to be willing to adjust our priorities. Whoa. The turning point for his family lies in the three months the ark resided in his home. Let me end this. Look at it. Obed-Edom was blessed beyond measure. His house emanated with joy. He never stopped living in the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you what happened to this man. He didn't stay at the house when the ark left. He went with him. I don't want the presence of God to leave me. Look at what, look at what Moses said in Exodus, Tammy. 33. It says, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, here's Moses. I pray, I have found grace in your sight. Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Now look at 14 and 15 of 33. And he said, God said, my presence will go with you. 
and I will give you rest. Somebody say amen. How many of you know that the church needs rest? The church needs rest. It needs rest from the power of sin. Say amen to these, if you will. It needs rest from the fear of man. Amen. It needs rest from the cares of the world. Amen. It needs rest from the anxieties of the world and the anxieties of service. Can you say amen? Amen. That's a good place to clap your hands. Moses said, I'm not going unless you go with me. What a great statement. What a great determination. I'm not going to go unless God goes with me. We need the presence of the Lord to go with us. Obed was a doorkeeper and a doorkeeper of the ark. He didn't stay at the house, but he became a musician. He loved worship. That's a good way to have the presence of God. Sunday morning, Monday morning on the way to work, sing a song, hum a song. Praise the Lord. He played the lyre. He played the harp. He knew what it was to worship God. And he loved the ark so much until he became a doorkeeper of the ark. He was there in the presence of that ark. God, I don't want to leave your presence. Brother Matt, come if you will. We see that through the years, the dedication and blessing of those first 90 days in the presence of God never dissipated. For his sons, he had 62 sons and grandsons in the ministry. Are you listening? He had 62 sons and grandsons in the ministry. For his sons and grandsons maintained strength for service. May you and I, listen to me, be willing and wholeheartedly seek God's presence as Moses did. May we develop a thirst to experience more of God himself. More of you, Lord, more of you. Jesus said when he went away, he said, I will pray the Father and he will send a comforter. And he shall abide with you on Sunday morning. Are you listening? That's not what he said. And he shall send another comforter. And he'll abide with you just certain times. No. He will abide with you forever. If you're here today, you've not accepted Jesus Christ. You don't have the Spirit of God on the inside. But the wonderful thing about it, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've not done, when you come to Christ and accept Him, His presence comes in. When they're rolling you down the corridor of the hospital and you don't know what the end's going to be. When you get a phone call and you don't know how things are going to be. Brother Larry and Sister Tammy are battling with that right now. They need and their dad needs much prayer. You pray for them. All of these things, God says, my presence shall be with you. Worship God as we sing. In and out of situations that tug of more at me.
Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, your holy presence would be manifested. We know you're here. You're in every believer's heart, every believer's life. But, but Moses wanted it to be known and God that the world might know. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be manifested. May it be manifested in a powerful rest for every heart and every soul. I pray, God, that there would be a rest. May your omnipresence, may your abiding presence be a manifested presence. And if there's a soul here that is struggling with sin, may we be delivered from the power of sin. If there's someone here that is struggling with fear, no matter the fear, may they be delivered from that fear. If someone here is cumbered about like Martha was with many things, with all the cares of the world, may they lay those things at your feet today. I'm going to sing that verse in just a moment, not yet. I'm going to sing that verse in just a moment. But I feel there's hearts here that are troubled. I want you to come around the altar. Stand with us around this altar. Kneel if you'd like. And I want you to take those cares. <laughs> and lay them on the altar. <laughs> if you're anxious, would you come? Step out. Through his love the Lord provided A place for us to 
Come on, everyone come. Come on. Step out in faith. A place to find.